Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, a show about health, well-being, fitness, and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today, I'm excited to welcome Sadie Frost. Sadie's an actor, producer, and entrepreneur. So how are you this morning, Sadie? And tell me three things that make you smile. Well, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I've been very busy. So it's um, it's actually nice to have uh, it to be Friday and just have a nice weekend. Um, so what makes me smile are my kids and my dog, my little puppy, Cherry, and walking in the park. Oh, that puppy sounds cute. <laughs> she's actually, I'm in my room at the moment and she's hiding under the duvet. What kind of dog is she? I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. Um she's a mini dash hound. Oh, oh my goodness. So <laughs> adorable. <laughs> she makes me so happy. Look, she's that's snoring. The, <laughs> that's the other thing that's really good about dogs because it gets you walking, gets you exercising, and also they're really calming and somehow they can pick up on, you know, atmosphere and they can pick up on how you're feeling, you know, which is amazing. Absolutely. I definitely think we've kind of morphed into one. We're both, she's a little bit like, sometimes I think you get a dog to be, to make friends and to be friendly. And my other, I had two dogs before for years and they were really, really friendly, but she's quite aloof. She's a little bit princessy. She's very territorial. Um, so she actually doesn't help me make friends because she kind of on the park and stuff, she'll, she'll, she won't. She keeps herself to herself. Keeps herself to herself. And she doesn't really want to play with other dogs or, or other kind of humans go up to her and want to say hello. And so I'm like, okay, great. You're, you, it's just me and you then. <laughs> it's just us Ride or die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we were going to talk about obviously how we know each other through Colette Cooper, our wonderful friend and jazz singer, and Mike, obviously. <laughs> and um, I've seen Rafferty in clinic as well, who's amazing. <laughs> Oh. Uh, and also I've seen another person Winona Ryder I realize she con- has a contact to you you know one of my patients okay, yeah, I haven't seen um, Winona for a long time yes Colette's um, one of my uh, best friends we're like kind of a family really we kind of we have a great time together we also we have a, a you know more like a sisterly thing we, we can have the biggest rows which I'm sure Mike has uh, witnessed over the years Um but in a kind of healthy way, I think we just we're very, very honest with each other. Um, and we've always kind of challenged each other, which I think is a very good thing in a friendship. Um, obviously, we're both kind of in the entertainment world. So that's quite kind of interesting because she'll always kind of inspire me and and vice versa. Um, and yeah, Mike um, is her longstanding partner who's amazing, um, always been very, very steady. And yeah, um, Raf, who's my son, um, that's great. You got to got to meet him. He's he's uh, turning from a, a young man to a man at the moment, which is exciting to kind of see somebody grow up and become incredibly responsible and all, all those kind of things. And yeah, Winona and, and me were friends a long time ago. So if you see her again, say hi from me. Do you find it hard to see your kids grow up and become independent or are you kind of like at one with that process? Um, I don't think you're ever prepared. And, and and I think there's a lot a lot of times you hear parents saying, I wish I can't wait for them to walk. I can't wait for them to go to school. I can't wait for them to go to college. 
And I think you have to enjoy every part of it. And I think, you know, I think it was really difficult last year when they all left home. Um, it was a bit of a final thing when I kind of moved house and and it was the family house where I'd kind of family home where I'd, I'd raised them for like uh, 20, 20 years. And, and, and there was a lot of grieving involved in that. It was very difficult to... Um, adjust but then they all come back I mean I kind of spent a bit of time on my own then Raph moved to LA and at the moment they've all moved back home for a bit so I went from kind of having everyone at home and then being on my own for 10 months and now everyone's back so is it they three children back. you have I have four so I've got four. three boys yeah three boys and a girl wow lovely <laughs> nice mix <laughs> yeah it's lovely it really is we're going to talk about some of your new projects, but I also wanted to throw back to um, obviously the Dracula film. Um, how was that, and how did that come about? And um, and you know how how was it actually being the process of um, filming it? So um, I was acting. I saw I was just a kind of child actor, and I was acting a lot, and then was doing theatre and a real mixture. And I'd done a film. It was with Gabriel Byrne and Amanda Donahoe. Um, it was called it was called Diamond Diamond Skulls or Dark Obsession. It had two separate names. And the thing that had happened was I'd I'd had a baby quite young, and um, I was um, kind of raising my you know I think he was just a few months old really. And the film that I'd done before I got pregnant had come out in America and was getting really good reviews. I don't think people liked it so much in in England. Um, and my character kind of got a, a really good response. And uh, Francis Ford Copper had been looking for the character Lucy for a long time. And basically, um, they just, I got a call. I remember I was breastfeeding Finn. And I got a call, Francis Ford Coppola wants to meet you tomorrow. Get on a plane and fly, fly to LA. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, because I just, I just thought, I mean, even then, I, they were saying to me, no, your career's over. You, you can't have a baby and act. Um, you're too old. I think I was like 24, and they were saying that. <laughs> I know it was crazy, and I, I I was just so shocked. It was one of those kind of um life experiences that just come out of the blue, and um, I was like, oh my god, what do I, what do I do? Do what do I wear? And I remember my friend Zoe lent me a dress, and I'd been breastfeeding, so my boobs were feeling a bit like weird. So I went and wore this dress and I stuffed my dress with socks just to kind of give me Protect more shape. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just kind of like, you know, I don't know why. It was all very weird. I completely blagging it. And I went in and met him. We got on great. And then I got off with the film and then I moved to LA. And um yeah, it was it was just such a wonderful experience to work with those amazing actors. Um Winona Ryder, Gary Oldman, Keanu Reeves, Anthony Hopkins, they were all um really lovely and we, we had we were all doing method acting kind of classes and working with some great people um so I kind of moved to LA for a couple of years and then my career kind of became more about yeah based in in America um but then that kind of changed when I knew I had to put my kids through school and uh I then finally kind of chose my kids education and my kids schooling you wanted than my them to be schooled here I wanted them to be close to their family and I wanted them to be um, schooled here. So I um, yeah, moved back when, when Finn was about four or five and my acting career was always um, second to raising my children because 
I then kind of had four. So it was just like, well, you know, I had a big job. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, you can't go on location and um, disappear and you can't, you know, I didn't want to miss sports days and things like that. But I, I, I kind of always kept my toe in and did roles that I liked and I'm still acting now, even though I'm kind of producing and directing. But my career has always been um, very important to me, but, but second to kind of family and happiness and health mm. and how did you find LA compared to London like uh, living there and well it must be so different um now to then but I mean obviously at that time the weather was nice I don't know you know everyone who's in LA at the moment is complaining about it's raining all the time but I think the weather was nice um there was a, a an a Obviously, you had that outdoor lifestyle, and it was it was quite healthy, and 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 you it's very kind of cyclical there. You make friends, and there's there's a whole kind of like English kind of movement at one time, and then people go there, and then they kind of you become friends with people, and then they move on, and then like so, if I went there now, or you know, it's a it a lot of the people that would have been there, they that people come and go, so it's very mm. transparent. And, um, mm. But no, it, it was great at the time for it was where it was the center then of what was happening, you know, in film. And um, I don't think it has that kind of um, power now, but um, it was just a great opportunity to have that that part of my life. Yeah. Well, people do say it's harder to make friends there because because of that, I think, the transient nature yeah. of, the, of, of things. No, yeah. definitely. But then, but then you kind of get thrown together with quite weird people because of that. I remember, me, you know, I, I was in the same circle as someone like Richard Harris or, um, you know, kind of it was easy to meet people like David Bowie. You were kind oh, of all pulled wow. together and, you know, I, I met some amazing people. And also you were in the video for Pulp. <laughs> How did that come about? So that came about because I was living in a house with my best friend, um, Zoe, who was dating Steve Mackey, who's um, really sadly um, passed away earlier this year, who's the basis of Pulp. And I, I'd just done Dracula. I was doing a couple of other films. And I thought Pulp and Steve and Jarvis were the, the coolest people ever. I mean, they literally were like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was amazing really yeah and um they they asked me if I wanted to be in the video and I was just like I mean I think I was more nervous about being in the pulp video than I was being in Hollywood and being in Dracula or doing a screen 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 test with Sylvester Stallone or um, Michael J Fox or or, you know any of the things that I was kind of doing at the time so it was it was great I I still love their music I'm going to go to a, a pulp gig in a couple of weeks and they're they're one of my favorite bands yeah yeah well I think he he approached it with a really kind of intelligence and he had his finger on the pulse you know exactly what was happening at that time and obviously your character was central to the uh to the whole thing the video and it was a great video the way they shot it and I think um what I like about Pulp is they always wrote songs for um outsiders and and the kind of the geeks and the the weirdos and yeah you know. yeah but it's very almost poetic I think you know very poetic and, and so clever and humorous at the same time and the energy when they perform unbelievable yeah one hundred percent so tell me about the Mary Quant um docu film that you had done 
So um, I've been producing for um, quite a few. I've been producing for quite a few years, and I'd kind of been working with a company called Goldfinch, and um, we co-produced a couple of projects. And then they came to me and and were and said um, we have the rights to to do a a film about Mary Quant, a documentary. Um, we really think you should direct it. And I was like, oh, my God, it, it really come out of the blue. I mean, I was interested in directing and I had directed shorts, but never like a feature length documentary. And I just, you know, when you first get approached about something, it can be quite overwhelming. So I was a bit like, um, you know, absolutely no way I could, I could pull this off. But I, I read her autobiography and I went and did a film um, course in, in direct uh, documentary making and directing. And then I just started to kind of get to know her through her work and her her book and then once I kind of got the information I realized actually I really identified with her I really felt like I knew her and understood her and that her legacy um had to live on and I should tell the story um it felt like I was reading a book about a family member so so then I just kind of um committed myself to do it and, and just threw myself in and I enjoyed every second and I, I realized that actually directing is something that I really feel like um, it's something, a direction I want to go in. I feel really steady. I feel really um, kind of like I have my vision, I have my voice. So I did a documentary about um, Mary Quant. It got into the London Film Festival. Um, it was released all over the world and 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 um, distributed on, and, and uh, screened on um, Sky. Um, and while I was doing the quant documentary i was when i was doing the press i did a, a podcast with uh twiggy and i did tea with twiggy wow. i think that's what it's called and at the end of it i kind of like just cheekily said oh have you you never made a a documentary about your life and she's like no 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 everyone always asks me i i don't want to do one i don't want i said oh well if you ever if you ever change your mind come to me because i'll be the person to direct it and i literally got a call that night and she said actually I've thought about it and if anyone's going to make a documentary about my life I want it to be you so I kind of literally uh, finished Quant and then the next day started Twiggy and I've basically been doing Twiggy I, I guess I started it last like the development last April and it, and I'll be delivering it next February it's um I guess my style as a director has grown there's a lot more kind of that comes with this there's animation so I've been working with an animator and um, we're composing all the music. And um, it's just like, yeah, like the first time you do it, it's quite experimental. And then the second time it's like, this is my vision. I want to have these stories animated. And so it's, again, like a real mixture between um, kind of archive and uh, interviews and animation, but really weaving through all these different elements of um, ways to portray her life and, and working with Twiggy's been like such a dream she's an amazing person <laughs> yeah and I think that image of her with the eye makeup you know that's kind of burned in everyone's mind but it's the story behind it which is so interesting and um, yeah I mean she 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 was at the time so it would have been I think it was 1966 so at the time it was um the, the only people that modeled, the only girls that modeled were upper class, quite kind of, um, kind of, um, you know, hoity toity type. And um, suddenly 
a girl from Neasden from a working class background came on the scene in in a very kind of like um, serendipitous way. And at 15, you know, 15, 16, she became the most famous woman in the whole world. And then obviously the modeling part of her career, which was three years, three, four years, um, was was massive. But then she went on to act and she did The Boyfriend with Ken Russell and then went on to do loads of other kind of films and uh, her TV show, albums. And she's now 72, 73 and still going strong. She's like a real, a real force. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How do you find um, the switch from being in front of the camera to to behind? I think there's um, I think that there's something quite liberating about being behind the camera when you're not having to worry. I mean, especially when you, I was a younger woman and you know, grew up as a teenager in my twenties and thirties, having to really think about how you looked on screen and that and that pressure and then you know I, I guess I kind of eased into it because I was producing and it was a real um breath of fresh air to just have to kind of be concentrating on the work and the content rather than oh what am I wearing what am I looking like how you know do I look I mean it sounds really shallow but do I look puffy today do I look tired but when you're actually producing or directing you just turn up and you just do your job um so I like I like the prep I love I've always been someone that loves studying the preparation um and I found producing looking back at it now quite um I found that quite stressful because you're kind of responsible for the the kind of finance and everything coming together and a lot of it the producer will get the blame for but actually it, it's not their fault because there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of chances in the in in the film industry and and I think um but so producing had a lot of stress but directing I suddenly realized like I could just say what I wanted to happen like my vision and work on something and write things and then those things hopefully if you've got the right people that you're working with they materialize and that is such a wonderful process to see things that you have wanted to happen happen and do you know when it's going to be released? So we will, um, so, I, so first of all, like Twiggy and the BBC will see it at the end of August. And then we have four or five months to finish the music and the animation and all the rest. So it won't be um, delivered until next February and released. So we'll probably be on the BBC next March, April, and then we'll be released in the cinemas yeah, next spring, I'd say. Wow, super exciting. And you've um, been involved in fashion yourself. And do you also have a, a clothing line? So I did have a clothing line and I worked in fashion for such a long time. Um, but when I started directing, um, and that is a, you know, 24-7, you know, job, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it, you, you never kind of put, put the job down. Um, I decided that I had to concentrate on just like... Um, one thing I've always juggled many many things and I just realized like this time in my life for kind of adult children I just wanted to do one thing and try and have a bit of peace of mind and not be so kind of like busy because I just got so frustrated with being busy all the time but then I am just still busy I mean I think it's just the thing <laughs> about life you can, yeah. you think you're simplifying things but I don't think you actually do 
Um, so I had a clothing line. We were selling in um, Browns and Selfridges and um, all over the world, really. But I just felt like I didn't want to spend the next 10, 20 years building a brand. I think time is the most precious, important thing for me right now. Um, I'm still acting. I'm, I'm doing a, I've got a part in a TV series next week. Um, and that's fun. Um, and with a great cast and, um, you know, so I kind of keep myself, um, my toe in with the acting. I've got um, two films coming out, other films um, this year. Um, so, I'm, you know, that that kind of is very, very important to me, but it's it's something that, you know, I'll go into a week here or a week there or, you know, nothing um, nothing where I can kind of um, get taken away too long from directing. So I think the combination of those two things make me really happy. So next week when I'm on set, it will be, um, that will be a breath of fresh air because I won't have, to, you know, I'm just turning up and doing my lines, not like directing a whole film. Yeah, it's quite um, fun and interesting switching between the two, doing some acting and some directing. Obviously, with the directing, you're creating something, but you've got to wait uh, that time for it to finally come to fruition. Exactly. And I always say um, directing or making a movie is like raising a small child because, you know, you're, you are doing it for two, three years. If you're the director or the producer, I mean, by the time this film comes out, it would have been, you know, two, three years. So you know, acting, you kind of, a lot of the time, you just turn up on set and you just do your lines and, you know, it can be uh, a, a few months, but you, you, it's not two, three years. We talked a little bit about motherhood, but how did you manage to bring up four children whilst working and doing all of these things? I think um, having a very supportive family and friends and being a single mother um, at times was difficult. Um, but I've got the best kids and um, yeah, my sister's always helped me. And, um, you know, for me, being a mom was the most important thing. I I just, I'm very maternal. I have loads of godchildren. I think I've got like 20 godchildren um, and lots of nieces and nephews right now. And, you know, I spend most of my time just being around kids because that's what I find the most exciting. Um, but it was never a dull, there was never a dull moment, you know, sports days, football's being kicked around the house, lots of food, um, breakfast and bedtime, you know, chaos, I, you know, it was chaos. <laughs> Controlled uh, chaos. <laughs> well, you can never control it, but, but kind of, kind of like fun chaos, you know, um, and just to kind of bring up uh, four beautiful, kind, creative people. And, and, you know, is is such a, I don't know, watching them grow up has been amazing. Yeah, I'm also from a really big family. My father has eight children and we've got a kind of blended family. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I know it, what yeah. it's like. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, it's uh, I don't know, just seeing all those personalities and characters all under one roof is, is you know. It's super fun, cool. though. Super the fun. energy it's amazing yeah. <laughs> you can never be bored <laughs> no never never bored <laughs> and so what do you think about the importance of fitness um in your kind of daily routine and kind of managing to get through uh, kind of the pressures of life and juggling work and motherhood and everything how how have you incorporated fitness through that um i think uh keeping fit and exercising has always been really important. I was um, 
went to stage school. So I started dancing and doing gymnastics from about four and was a professional dancer when I was growing up. I was in a dance group and we we danced and exercised all the time. And I think from a very young age, I realised like how happy exercise and dancing and doing kind of physical activities made you feel. And then I was just always very driven to keep fit, um, whether it was at the gym or I, I, I became a yogi about 16. My mum kind of um, encouraged me to do yoga because I had really bad asthma. And... Um, so I always kind of kept fit. I I don't like pain. Like I don't really like, I like exercise to be kind of, I'm not saying it, it's kind of, I do easy things. Because so I go to Pilates, you know, go to Pilates is hard. <laughs> yeah, advanced Pilates twice a week. And um, and then I do yoga and, and, you know, and I've been doing that for years. But I don't, I, and I do do cardio, but I, I don't want to be on a, a running machine for like an hour because I feel like I don't know time is precious so I'll kind of do thing I do my own little workout um which I've been doing for quite a long time which probably and I do a lot of weights is is not that challenging so I just did a, a fitness assessment um a week two weeks ago and I met a new guy a trainer and he's just he um he's kind of like mixing it up and teaching me some new things that I don't like because I think I just got so comfortable. <laughs> doing it. Like, my oh, trainer my always says, "Oh, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be a little bit uncomfortable." <laughs> you know, I know, and he's making me definitely feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm getting to <laughs> the point of like begging, you know, like begging, like, "Do I have to do that? Do I have to?" Do that? I'm like, "Why am I paying for this?" <laughs> I know, but uh, yeah, so I've started that, and you know, I probably exercise. Um, well, obviously, I walk with my dog, but run around kind of London doing meetings which you know you get 20,000 steps easily but probably exercise four or five times a week um I think week. it's just got to be right for you you know it's got to be right for the individual Definitely. um so what about nutrition how do you kind of approach your nutrition um through you know to complement that yeah well I've always been a vegetarian um like I've never eaten meat fish or tasted you know either um I I yeah so right from school I was on kind of vegetarian meals you know in the, in the 70s when everyone would kind of really like you know I was yeah. kind of the weirdo <laughs> in the school like it was just like unheard of at that time and um so I was a vegetarian but then my mom um got together with a a guy who was a bagua and Rajneesh do you remember the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the dress yes, orange yes. oh wow that. So we were like it's <laughs> kind of like the orange cult and um, he was like an amazing cook and we would we started eating Indian food and um, really interesting vegetarian food and he was quite a pioneer in that at that time uh, I think there was like one health food shop in North London and we started eating kind of very you know interesting food like there were things called like little packets of soso mix and lentil burgers and you you know we started eating quite kind of interesting radical food not like today where like obviously vegetarian food is is massive and a lot of people are vegetarian but I, I could never like for me being a vegetarian was an, a number of things one like I didn't want to um well I, uh, the smell and the taste like you know it never really got closer than here because I, I'd probably be ill um you know I, I just always my mum said I used to kind of from a very early age would be talking to people about how would you like to be eaten you know like 
bar lambs are lovely and why are you eating one and you know so it just became a big part of my life and and so I've never eaten it so I but I've always had a a balanced diet with protein and stuff and used tofu to cook and um nuts and pulses um at the time you know when I was growing up we did eat dairy and I do have you know a minimal dairy um because I have had osteoporosis since I was in my 30s and that was um basically the the level of osteoporosis I have was based on me being hypermobile so I had like a I'm so like everything bends back like the wrong way <laughs> my bones and 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 you produce too much collagen in your arms and legs and skin even like your skin gets kind of affected by it too it and that that's the one positive thing about it but it, if you have um hypermobility to the level I've had it and from such a young age you're you you can get like a really severe back problem and your lower spine mm. um so I have to have a certain like a minimal amount of dairy even though you can get a lot of the vitamins from um nuts and walnuts and all that but you know for me I have to have a, a small amount and um but no I just try and eat as healthy as possible um you know I think it's about being consistent and not doing fad diets and do you like to cook of... Are you do you yeah I mean my kids always said well you know, mum's not really a good cook and I always felt like I was in an episode of um was it called butterflies do you remember that <laughs> yeah no, she could never cook uh, and they said well you're just good at chopping and I said well you know well that's great because you know raw food is the best diet so I would always be kind of these raw food kind of like spread. platters and things yeah, yeah platters, they're all healthy and and then on, on a Sunday a nice veggie Sunday roast and um that works yeah, well when yeah. there's a lot of you because you can kind of all you know it's social eating yeah. And also a lot of really healthy soups. I always make soups and things like that. And I brought up all my kids vegetarian. Um, I was going to ask that whether they are also. Yeah, so, so um, you know, most of them have stuck to it. There's one one preferred to eat meat, um, and that's fine because that's his choice. Um, and, and uh, yeah, they're all healthy and happy and, and, and love my – yeah, they love, I think, the, the vegetarian food that I've kind of um, – given them provided there was like mum make me that soup you used to make when I was a little boy and you know so I kind of make you know family recipes kind of thing mm. and what do you do to keep kind of mental um for your mental wellness obviously you've spoken a little bit about, about yoga but are there other things that you do just to kind of take a time of peace and take some time for yourself and relaxation um for me like the mornings are really important um I normally get up between five and six every day and I meditate um for about 40 minutes I mean anything from 10 minutes to 40 minutes and and meditating is um I mean it sounds such a cliche sometimes but it really is about um giving yourself a break and that kind of mental kind of space and positive thinking um you know where, whether it's kind of loving yourself loving other people you know gratitude um just calming the mind so I, I meditate in the morning and I think that's how I kind of get through a very very insanely busy uh stressful kind of life sometimes um I, th I think it's odd because I think I don't know like people deal with stress differently and I think you know I've gone through divorces or losing a family member or bankruptcy in a business all the stuff we all have to go through 
And, you know, even though now I'm not going through like major stuff like that, I still feel stressed. So you have, it's a daily thing that you have to like work on, you know, to kind of try and get through the day if you're worrying about a job or a family member or um, money or whatever it is. And, 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 and meditating is really important. Um, yeah, being around positive people, time, you know, protecting your time, not being in toxic environments and yeah, just kind of trying to enjoy life and be kind um, because it's really crazy out there right now. Yeah, I think. yeah, especially living in an urban environment, you know, everything is all go all the time. Definitely. So um, you have a place in London and a home outside of London as well. What do you prefer and do you enjoy kind of having that balance between, you know, the urban and the countryside? So I think um, growing up in London and always being in a city was, you know, I felt like I'd kind of grown to a certain level um, and I, I felt like I couldn't make that next step to really embrace properly nature and kind of, independent so uh a year ago I moved moved to the country um fully for 10 months um and so I didn't I was coming down to London to work but I didn't have a place in London and um it was really challenging because one the kids have all left home and yes I was living in this beautiful little cottage in the countryside but also the evenings were harder you know you're on your own in in the countryside in the winter and once you get in at like four, it's not like London, you can pop out and go to the shop or that kind of thing. You're kind of, it's quite isolating, but it was really good for me. I think it was really healthy um, in some ways, but I realized that I I do like to be around people and a city is important to me. But so at the moment, I'm lucky that I can be between the two, but um, that won't happen. You know, I'll, I'll have to make a decision at some point um but no I, I guess working in London is great and then being able to kind of have a bit of um chill time in the countryside as well is the the best kind of balance absolutely and it's good to have that difference between the two so um obviously people can see um the amazing success of you know your acting and directing and your amazing children um but we also like to talk about kind of challenges um that you've faced and how you've overcome them so what do you think has been your biggest challenge or challenges that have been of note that you've kind of overcome and how have you overcome them Mm, that's a difficult question I think I think everything's challenging I think every stage well I'm not it's not like I'm a lightweight but I think every stage in life can be challenging I think becoming a mother for the first time can be challenging um you know, going through a divorce was probably the hardest thing, like on the level of of the, my divorce at that time with four kids and young kids at the time was probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Um, yeah, my father passing away when I was, you know, in, in, a, in a very difficult way was a very painful experience and getting through that grief was really hard. Um, I think probably the hardest thing for me was postnatal depression. I had it really severely. I was hospitalised. Um, on and off for quite a while um you know it isn't something that can just get better like that it it's something that I mean the hormones are so um in kind of 
you know everything's going so crazy when you get to that level that it, it it's not a kind of overnight fix so that was hard um but then there's kind of you know a lot of growth when you actually do start getting better and you understand that it was just a temporary thing um and and you have to really protect your kind of mental health and i know my mental health can be quite fragile you know i think i've been a vul quite vulnerable or like or a, that kind of um personality all my life so you know i have to be careful and and i think in a way you know that's a good thing because it comes with protecting yourself you also it also comes with protecting other people and um you know just being kind of hopefully kind of compassionate and listening to people and but i think you know i think mental health is 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 definitely a challenge and i'm just glad that you know today i'm feeling good and for quite a few years it's been it has been good and i think i think you know another challenge is um and i see it all around me is when people start um getting older that's you know and, and kind of coming to terms with that and kind of being happy in yourself accepting your age you know you know being kind of honest about who you are and what your age is and you know celebrating your life and other people's lives and you know as a woman you know why can't you be beautiful in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s but there's often a real kind of um negative um aspect towards you know women aging and I think I think it's it really is about you know women celebrating each other and being honest about it and you know just kind of yeah all, it's all starting stick. to change but it needs to change it, yeah it, it is I, th I think some some women are still under pressure about that um you know for me I, I've always kind of been honest about it and um but um you know I, I like celebrating young women old women you know and and there's you know obviously Twiggy and Mary Quant you know Mary Quant was in the 90s and I'm so in awe of people who have been wise and had an amazing time on this planet. You just want to learn, learn kind of how they got through it because, yeah, there's there's so many ups and downs in life. I think they say if you have a kind of a joy for life and you kind of get out of bed with a purpose, you know, obviously not going to happen every day, but if you've got that kind of some drive, that's what keeps people going to their nineties and beyond, you know, they're still creating, they're still, they still have a passion to do something. Definitely. And that passion could be anything. It could be, you know, having a lovely dog and wanting to take that dog for a walk every day. It could be really falling in love with your garden. It could be a career. I mean, we were all so pressurized for it to be a career, but it doesn't have to be a career. Um, because at the end of the day, being busy is something at, you know, when you look back, it's going to be like, what was that all about? So it really is engaging with the things that you're doing, um, whether they're, you know, little things or big things, but really enjoying them. So now, obviously, over time, you know, as you said, you get to know yourself better. But what would you say, looking back, if you could talk to your younger self? What advice would you give your younger self knowing everything that you know now? I think that, um, I think obviously when you're younger, you don't want to listen to anybody and, you, and you're and you not very self-aware. Um, I think you don't realise when you're young that, you know, obviously 
you have these amazing things. You have youth, you know, youth is an amazing thing, but you're not wise. Um, and you can't really, you know, nobody who's young and has youth is going to kind of, you know, like I tried telling my kids, like, why don't you? And they're like, no. <laughs> so I wouldn't have listened to anybody. Um, and I think um, it's a really difficult one because I think the reason you just have to go through things to learn them. Um, so I, I, I don't think I would have told, I think I would have put myself in safer situations and maybe not been like given myself so much to people that didn't really matter. Mm. I think that's the, the one bit of advice I would have given You learn to protect yourself more. Yeah. Like I would be like very people pleasing, really trying to help everybody. Um, and I think, you know, I still like helping people, but I think, I probably helped the wrong people on the way. I think as well, when you said, you know, you know that you have that vulnerability, then you know that you have to do a little bit extra just to to shield it and look after, look after it. 100%, definitely. What are your plans for the future? <laughs> well, um, so basically I am, um, well, I finished the film in, yeah, probably, probably February. And then I've been offered to direct a feature film, so um, oh. you know, all going well that that will that will happen. And then also, I'm producing a film in South Africa, and then also directing another documentary. So I've got three films, um, kind of ready to go. Um, and then I've also just become involved in a in a kind of wellness retreat, which is um, because I, I I've studied over the years since I was young you know like in my 20s I became I started to be a masseuse a, a nutritionist I've done all these courses I've always been going to school along the way um, and I did a yoga training course um, in Kundalini so um, obviously health and wellness has been really important to me um, I've been kind of very closely attached to a health retreat called Amchara um, there's one in Somerset and there's one in Gozo off Malta and I'm now um kind of um, joined in kind of part of the business um, and I'll be hosting in between the film projects retreats there. So I'm going, I've been to kind of re like decorating the hotel the last year in, in my spare time. Um, so I've kind of revamped the hotel um, and designed the rooms to be calming and healing. Um, I'm going there in September for a few weeks when I finish the, the last bit of the kind of, um, you know, you kind of get the film to a certain point and then you can go away for a bit and then we go back to it. So I'll go there for like three weeks, going to finish decorating it and then create some wellness retreats for later in the year on HeartMath. And then next year I'll be hosting some with some um, colleagues um, about health and recovery and positive thinking. Um, so within the film stuff that I do and then the retreat, which, yeah, I'll be kind of based in Gozo for a bit, um, I'll be that doing... would be nice yeah that's gonna be amazing so you know I like I've always liked to do a couple of things because you never know what direction your life's going to be in mm. um and that's I think... what I think life is like it throws you a curveball or you know you're going down the river and then it takes a turn and you never know what's ahead but I think you learn to go with it a bit more as time goes on to go with it and be prepared for every everything or anything you know um, if if I don't carry on doing film um, directing, then I'll just be you know go and do something else that I love, which is wellness and and helping people and and healing and 
so yeah so i'll be kind of doing that and the film wonderful well thank you Sadie. thank you so much for joining me um it's really interesting to hear about your journey and you know the transition from being a young child actor all the way through um to being now producer and director and um obviously amazing to hear about the wellness retreat because that's something we're really interested in and your fantastic kids <laughs> of which i know one so far but absolutely amazing family and how um you've brought them up to be these incredible people so thank you so much and um, all of Sadie's details and links are in the show notes and thanks for listening if you like today's show please rate and review wherever you get your podcast it was presented by me Dr Richard Marks for more about me I'm on at Dr underscore Richard double underscore or visit my website www.drrichardlondon.com this is a pop people production and the music is by Delhi Music and we will see you next time Thank you.